Welcome to the Sam Inshu podcast, where we talk to Sam Inshu's finest about martial arts, training, and life's smaller questions. In this conversation, we talk to Sensei Mark Gowen about acting, teaching, and training. This conversation is sponsored by Turtle, who wants to remind you: the slower you go, the faster you will get there. Uh, I can. I guess we can start with a gotcha question that I found online. I I did some quick search, uh, like Google search of your profiles, and I found something interesting. So you, uh oh, <laughs> yeah, he <laughs> says that you are able to. Uh, it's a skill <laughs> that you have to balance wheelchairs on back wheels. Is that true? Yes. How do you? True. How? I mean, uh, how did that come about? Like, why did you? do that <laughs> what did you learn how to do well I, i'll tell you when i was in college i was in theater i was doing theater we were doing a production of the music man mm-hmm. um and in one scene they had to close the curtain and change a lot of scenery a lot of scenery so they had people walking in front of the curtain uh as if they're going to the concert mm-hmm. uh and just you know we're going to the concert we're gonna we're gonna see birdie conrad birdie and or not yeah, it was Cotton, it was Bird by, by Birdie, not Music Man. And um, then uh, there was one uh, woman, old old woman, actor act, actress dressed up in makeup, pushing a wheelchair across. So there was a wheelchair at the theater. Mm-hmm. And I, I would get to the theater early to, you know, before getting into makeup and costume and everything. And I would just, so I saw that on stage and I thought, well, I wonder what it's like to roll around in a wheelchair. So I, I practiced rolling around in a wheelchair. And then I said, I wonder if I can pop a wheelie. And so, oh, you can almost do it. And then, then I finally learned how to balance on the back two wheels uh, in the wheelchair. Mm-hmm. And, and I got pretty good at it. Uh, I never had an injury, never had to use a wheelchair. But it was a skill that I learned. And I, I stuck that on the bottom of my acting resume. Nice. Uh, not that I would ever use it, but it's one of those conversation starters, which you just did. Uh, <laughs> And, and spend any when you have an audition for a film or TV commercial, mm-hmm. whatever, anything that puts you more time in front of the producer and the director is good mm-hmm. because they more of you and more of your personality. Um, and so that's why I put it on my resume. And and many times uh, producers, directors would see that and go, really, you can do that? Yeah. And I'd explain to them the story. Yeah. And I didn't think much about it. And then there was a, a film I auditioned for, that starred George C. Scott and Don Amici. I don't know if you remember Don Amici or not, but you know, I'm sure you know who George C. Scott is. No, is, not really. But. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm still add trying that, to... Add that to your Google list. Okay, all right. You ever see the movie Patton? No. About <laughs> General Patton? Uh, no, no. Okay, I'm well, that's that, that, I have to admit. <laughs> pretty, both of them are pretty famous actors, but... Um, so there was, they played a couple of guys that found a suitcase full of money and it was drug money. The drug dealers were chasing them. The feds were chasing the drug dealers. It was a big chase comedy thing. And in the end, everybody gets caught and it all ends up in court in front of the judge trying to figure out what to do. And I was cast as the attorney. Oh, nice. Oh, okay. So they, they, uh, it was filmed in Savannah. I was living here in Atlanta and I, um, uh, they said did you, it was like six weeks after the audition that I found out I'd been cast. It's like, oh, great, okay. And so then uh, six weeks after that, they called and said, okay, you're going to be shooting Friday in Savannah. Uh, the airplane tickets will be waiting for you at the airport. You can fly in on Thursday. 
we'll pick you up at the airport, take you to the hotel, spend the night, get up the next morning, go to the location and, and do it. Is there anything you need? And I said, well, a copy of the scene so I could memorize the lines would be nice because I had not seen it in mm -hmm. three months. And they said, oh, okay, sure. So they, they back in those days, I, there was no such thing as this internet stuff. <laughs> so they, they Federal expressed me the um, script. And what, I got was, the next day. what year was this? Oh, I don't know, back in the early 80s. Got you. No internet. And, <laughs> and um, so then I uh, uh, memorized the script, got you know to the airport and did all that, uh, checked in. Uh, to the hotel and uh, met some of the people the, uh, in the office of the film office. And they said, is there anything else you need? I said, well, is it possible I can get a full copy of the script? Because all I've seen is my scene. I don't know really what's going on. Mm -hmm. oh, sure. So they gave me a full copy of the script. So I, I went up to my room. I read the whole script front to back. My scene happens at the very end of the movie. Mm -hmm. you know, so now I knew where all the money came from and drugs and stuff like that. And so... Next morning I get up, I uh, go, uh, you know, have breakfast. They, they take me to location. I go through wardrobe, uh, hair and makeup. Um, they do all of that stuff. And uh, I'm standing on the streets, on the sidewalk in downtown Savannah, outside the courtroom. And you see people moving lights and cameras and stuff into and out of the courtroom, yep. or the, the courthouse. I couldn't even see the courtroom. And... Uh, and one of the production assistants came up and said, uh, you're playing the judge? And I said, yeah, since I'm wearing a judge. Um, he said, oh, okay, well, we're going to be ready for you in probably another 5, 10, 15 minutes. Um, uh, is there anything you need? Do you, do you want to see the wheelchair? I went, wheelchair? <laughs> There's nothing in the script about a wheelchair. Yeah. <laughs> they said, oh, yeah, yeah, we got your wheelchair so that you can move around in the wheelchair. <laughs> I said, okay. So they wanted yeah, do you have to balance it too? <laughs> yeah, they wanted me to be sitting at the judge's stand, but high with a big fake back of a chair behind me, mm -hmm. then turn, go down a ramp, down another ramp, into the courtroom, going all around the courtroom, <laughs> giving my lines to these two famous actors, yeah, and doing wheelie. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, and that's why I tell people, I tell young actors, never lie on your resume. Exactly. Yeah. You never know. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. So there's a story for you. That's cool. 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 <laughs> so, uh, so you were in theater in college already? Yes. Okay. You, you, uh, cool. I went, to, I went to college to be a math major and a science major. Yes. Um, and, or a math major primarily. Um, but I made a C in algebra trig my freshman year, my first semester. And the advisor said, Mark, maybe you shouldn't be a math major. Went, oh, okay. That was my uh, freshman year, fresh, first semester, 8 o'clock in the morning. First time I was away from home, mm -hmm. getting up at 8 o'clock in the morning for a math class was not fun. Mm -hmm. And I was pledging a fraternity and hanging out with the theater crowd. So I had many a late night. And, um, you had parties, huh? Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Nice. Uh, so... Uh, so I guess uh, what made you want to major in math in like from high school to college, right? You, I mean, what what like well, in, in high school, uh, I was a math and science major, double major, math and science. I see. Mm -hmm. In high school already. Yeah. Oh, okay. And in college, you want to continue that path. Made sense to me. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. 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 Same. 
same thing for me, I guess. I was really into math and college. I mean, in high school, now I just continue doing engineering stuff. Okay, nice. Did you do any high steering uh, high school as well? Um, not really in high school because the theater teachers, there was two of them primarily in my high school, mm -hmm. and there was a personality conflict with me and them. Mm -hmm. you know, I, so I, I wasn't involved. I didn't want to be on stage. I worked backstage. I worked uh, the technical theater aspects on a lot of the plays in mm -hmm. high school. I see. But I didn't do any of the acting on stage. Hmm. Well, I guess uh, if you mind, if you don't mind, uh, uh, I guess talking about it. Now, what's the, what do you mean by the conflict? Like, what do you mean by personality conflict with the people in theater in high school? The the instructors, in my opinion, mm -hmm. were snooty mm -hmm. and looked down on a lot of people, mm -hmm. and I didn't like that. So I was kind of like, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I sometimes like it was almost like they were on a little bit of a power trip. Mm. I'm in charge. Yeah. So, da, 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 da. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and that makes sense. Sometimes, uh, I mean, teacher is very important, right? Sometimes some teacher that inspire you and then sometimes teacher just like, you know, kind of make you hate a subject. Yeah. yeah. So you, I, I guess I'm assuming you already kind of interested in theater before college, before high, in high school, you're already kind of interested in theaters. And that's, that's why you yeah. were involving, right? So I, Yes, I had done, um, going back down to a, probably the third grade or so, there, uh, was, a, there was an elementary school mm -hmm. talent contest. Ah. And I told my mother, and I said, I, I want to do the talent contest. Oh, well, what do you want to do? I don't know. What can I do? And she said, I don't know. Think about it. And I said, well, what if I told nursery rhymes? And she goes, told nursery rhymes? <laughs> but you're, you're in the third grade. You're not, you're not a kindergartner. I said, well, I know, but it could be funny. Mm -hmm. and, and she, she said, what do you mean? I said, well, like, what if I said, Mary had a little lamb? What would the doctor say about that? How can you get pregnant and have a lamb? <laughs> wow. so, and my mother said, well, okay, go for it. So, and I won the talent contest. So. Oh, nice. Awesome. I, I wrote out the whole script with, uh, you know, uh, different uh, uh, nursery rhymes that were then ad-libbed about, talked about, made fun of. So. Okay. I don't remember anything other than that first line though. Oh, I see, I see. Cool. And then, so um, what did you, what did you grew up? I grew up uh, in Memphis, Tennessee, primarily. Mm -hmm. My dad was in the Air Force. Yeah. So from the time I was born until we, I was about eight years old, we were all over the country, all over the world. Mm -hmm. I lived in uh, Japan for a year. I lived in Hawaii for two years, no, oh, Japan, Japan for two years, Hawaii for one year, uh, Texas, I was born in Texas and lived there for a year and then traveled around, came back to Texas uh, for first and second grade when I was six and seven. Then my dad got out of the Air Force, uh, accepted a job in Memphis, Tennessee, and so we moved to Memphis, Tennessee. And that's mm -hmm. where I grew up, from elementary through high school. Okay. Is that... Is that a reason why you mentioned last time that you put out a flag, American flag, every morning, like on, on uh, your house? A, a little bit of that, but you know, I it, I was also a Boy Scout. Ah. Uh, and 
you know, there, there's something about the country. Yes. That is great. Yeah. If we don't kill it and screw it all up, which, you know, yeah, I have big fears about, you know, yeah. it, it was designed by the designers to be grow and get better and get better and better. And I'd hate for it to start taking backward steps. So I don't want to get into politics though. Yeah. 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 No, no, it's good. I, and I mean, I, I can understand the love of a country because, uh, I mean, whenever I travel, and I, I became a U.S. citizen like, a few years ago, and I, whenever I travel, and I, well, to another country with my American passport, I, I just feel so proud, right? <laughs> so, yeah, nice. So, um, so back into a little bit in your childhood, now, did you, once you, so once you, uh, after you won the, the, the talent contest, right? So did you do any, anything theater after that? Any performance uh, there? Mostly, mostly little church plays and things like that. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. Nice, nice. So I guess I'm trying to get in. Like, did you always want to know that you want to be an actor? Like, after? Not really. Already. No. I just uh, it was something fun to do. Okay. Uh, so. You didn't sweat as much as when you do sports. True. <laughs> 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 okay. So, um, so did you? Uh, so did you, I guess, uh, did you, when did you know that you want to be, be an actor, like to be, get into that? Um, it probably was in graduate school mm. because as I was finishing up my, uh, when, I, when I switched from math and science to undecided, and then when I decided to pursue a, math, a, a theater degree, mm -hmm. uh, in, in my undergraduate was, um, uh, what was it, just a Bachelor of Arts, BA um, in, in Performing Arts, I guess is what it was. And um, my mom and dad said, well, okay, Mark, well, what can you do after you graduate with a theater degree? What, what are your life choices? I said, oh, you can do any number of things. You could be an actor, you could be a director, you could be a scenic designer, a lighting designer. Um, uh, you could do uh, choreography, choreography uh, musical direction. Um, I could teach, you know, so mm -hmm. and they said, oh, well, okay, then go for it. And so then I, I got to the end of my uh, college career, my four years of college, and it's like, oh, I told them all that stuff. I still don't know what I want to do. Mm -hmm. I need to refine that. And so I thought, well, I know I'll, I'll, um, I'll uh, go get a degree, an, a, an advanced degree, mm -hmm. you know, my master's degree. And so uh, there was a guy named Oscar Brockett, Dr. Oscar Brockett, who was a, a theater uh, uh, historian. He, he wrote this huge, thick book on theater history that I basically memorized mm -hmm. for my theater history class. And so I thought, I'll go to the University of Indiana where Oscar Brockett is head of the program. Perfect. Okay. So I filled out my application, mailed it off, and waited. And da, 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 da. Ah, here comes my letter. He rejected. <laughs> oh, dear. So now I need to apply to some other schools. Mm -hmm. So I applied to an, a, about a half a dozen different uh, colleges for uh, the advanced degree, including uh, University of Florida, mm -hmm. and uh, there was um, one in Florida was connected with the Oslo Theater and uh, had a, a program there. Um, 
and, and had great reputation. Um, University of Georgia had a pretty good reputation. Mm -hmm. um, and so then I got accepted to both, well, first the University of Florida. Yes. But they wanted to put me in an MA instead of an MFA, okay. Master of Arts versus a Master of Fine Arts. I see. And um, they said, well, uh, after the first two years, if, if we think you could do it, then we can transfer you to the MFA. And it's like, well, what if you don't? Mm -hmm. Then I don't have an MFA degree, which is fine. And so, well, you know, then you can do something else. Like, fine. Let me think about it. Yeah. In the meantime, I'd gotten accepted to the University of Georgia in their MFA program. Mm -hmm. And I, I decided to go there. And uh, they offered me money to go there. I got, uh, you know, uh, some fellowships and workshops and stuff like that. And um, I had nothing planned for that summer, so I called them up and said, uh, I've already accepted. I thank you very much. I, listen, I've got nothing scheduled for this summer. Is it possible to come in early? Mm -hmm. And they said, well, um, okay, uh, let me call you back. So they called me back in two hours and said, yeah, we can get you in this summer, but we can only offer you $200 a week. And like, okay, I'll take that. Uh -huh. I wasn't even expecting that. I wasn't asking for financial assistance for the summer, but... Was that I did that? So I, I went to the University of Georgia. Is was two hundred dollars a lot of money back then, or was it enough to to? Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah 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 yeah. Um, yeah, I think it was two hundred bucks a week. I it could have been two hundred bucks a month for all I know. Um, but it was it was money. They were offering me money to come, so uh, I ended up um, going to the University of Georgia. That's how I ended up there. Oh, nice. Dogs. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. We're, we're, we're called we're called the drama dogs. Drama dogs. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I went to UF, so we are rivals, right? And also, right now I'm Georgia Tech. We just like, always say to hell with Georgia. So. <laughs> no, of course. Yeah. Um. So um. So I guess uh, switching gear a little bit. Uh, another question is. Okay. So. You seem to be a very happy person, right? And then it's always like fun to hang out with you. I mean, you're always like, so to you, I guess, uh, do you ever get angry? Oh yeah, of course. What nice. things make you get angry? Because you want to see you, he's always like smile on the time, you know, it's like. Well, anger, you know, negative emotions are hard and it's, I, I don't think they're, physically good for a person to have those kinds of emotions especially a lot mm -hmm. um and you know the the idea is to try and find the good in life mm -hmm. as opposed to constantly finding the negative um and if you know some negative people then they're, they're always finding the negative and it's they're not fun to be around uh whereas somebody who's always looking for the good looking for the positive it's just uh it's a more pleasant experience and what point like, did you come to the realization of the, as you, you were talking about a negative emotion, positive emotion in people, do you, does it make sense at all? Oh, no. We can, oh, I have no idea. Okay. Uh, when, when, when that happened, I just, I know that, uh, you know, when, when you're on, on stage or performing mm. uh, and have to play that kind of a character, mm. it's, uh, it's hard, mm -hmm. you know, it's hard to ramp up and, and get emotional, uh, be negative, be yelling, be screaming in somebody's face. Um, 
and and to be a good performer you there's there's a, a level of that uh, emotion that you do have to genuinely feel mm. i mean you can you can try to mimic all of the physical aspects of the emotion without feeling the emotion mm-hmm. but when you add a little bit of that actual feeling into the mix it it ramps up the uh the the performance in my opinion that's so th- so does acting help you control your emotion in certain ways, like in maybe in everyday life somehow? Oh, I think it, it might, yeah. Oh, you might? Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I guess maybe you, you do it uh, nice sub- unconsciously maybe now, nowadays. Maybe so, yeah. Yeah, okay. So um, sorry for jumping around a little bit. Like, uh, one thing I forgot to ask about your like, uh, theater career is like, you say you you would you didn't know what you want to do, so you decided to go to graduate school to get an advanced degree. And that's kind of the same thing in my case. And that's why I'm in graduate school right now because I had no idea what I want to do. I still don't know what I want to do, even though I'm. A graduate. <laughs> so I guess my question is: Did you figure out uh, what you wanted to do after you got your graduate degree? This is a great great question. Um, so I, I got to graduate school. And the master's MFA degree at the University of Georgia at that time, back in 1975, 76, 77, mm-hmm. was a combination degree of acting and directing. Mm. And so they taught you both how to be an actor and how to be a director. Um, some students concentrated more on the directing, some more on the acting. Some kept them both the same. Um, you know, they also had degrees in technical theater where you could concentrate on costume design or scenic design or lighting design. Um, and I got there and I thought, you know, I'm, I'm just as good as any of these other people that are here in the acting and directing. I'll, I'm doing the acting and directing. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I did. Um, after about a year and a half, or about a year, uh, I was halfway through the program I read a, a very small book called Acting Professionally mm-hmm. by Cohen. And in the two-page preface to the book, he laid out the unemployment statistics for professional actors. <laughs> okay. Professional actors who had union cards, mm-hmm. were members of the acting unions, which means they had to be good mm-hmm. get in the union. Had to be better than good. It had to be pretty damn good yeah. to get any. The unemployment rate was eighty-five to ninety-five percent at any given time. That means only five to fifteen percent were working. <laughs> I said, if you can do anything else with your life and live with yourself, do that, and do the little acting on the side at the community playhouse or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you know, I I had to sit down and you know, for a couple of days, really evaluate my life. It's like, do I want to pursue that kind of a, a situation? And, um, mm-hmm. and eventually I said, yeah, I'll, I'm going to take the gamble and go for it. So, mm. And there's been plenty of times that I was on the 95% unemployed <laughs> uh, oh. and having to find other things to do. And, you know, there was a time early in my career when I was on food stamps, mm. uh, you know, I was living in a, a tiny little apartment that was, uh, you know, no furniture. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was trying to pursue that. 
So mm. that's that's the story on that stuff. Wow, the starving art artists back in the day. Absolutely. So yeah. I guess uh, I guess it's uh, really interesting. Like, why did you decide you know, to gamble? Like, what's the what's the decision making? Like, how do you evaluate that decision? Or did you just like, hey, this is what you wanted to do? Yeah. Uh, there's there's um, the payoff mm -hmm. is is not the monetary value of having a job. The payoff is when you're performing on stage, it's different from on stage in the film, but when you're on stage and you're doing a play, um, th there's a Neil Simon play called uh, Chapter Two. Mm -hmm. uh, there's only four actors in it, four characters, two brothers, and, and then two women that they date. And um, one brother has just lost his wife. Mm spiraled down 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 to the point that he's just he's living in his pajamas all the food in his refrigerator is spoiled mm -hmm. his, brother, his brother i played the brother brother mm -hmm. comes to try and cheer him up and get him interested in life again mm -hmm. and eventually it turns around but there's the brother was always the one that had the joke always had the joke always made the audience laugh that was you that was me yeah <laughs> and in the in the third act there's a scene where he has explains finding his brother, you know, almost at death's door because he wasn't taking care of himself. And mm. he explains that scene to the woman that the brother is dating. Um, and so I remember we were playing in Washington, D.C. at Andrews Air Force Base to the, um, this was a touring production that we did. Mm. Uh, Andrews Air Force Base uh, in, in Washington, D.C. The, um, officers club mess their their dining hall so there are about 300 uh, air force officers and their wives seated at tables in this big huge room and we had a small stage on the end that had our scenery and stuff on it and you know i came out and, and did the first couple of first couple of acts and they all know that every time i came on stage they're going to laugh and have a good time <laughs> and, and so in the third act, when he has that serious scene, all of a sudden it's quiet. Mm. I mean, 300 people, no silverware clinking, no sound of glassware or anything like that. And you know that they're listening to every word you say. Oh, wow. That kind of feeling you get in front of an audience. Wow. So I still, still remember. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Do you, do you, um, do you ever get a stage fright? Because for personally, for me, it's like I, 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 like, I would be very afraid like, to do anything in front of people, right? Like, uh, right? So do you, do you, do you, is that, does it come natural to you, I'm assuming? No, 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 I think it's not good, right? It's practice, 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 practice. I mean, you can do a kata in front of people that have never seen you do a kata. You could do kata one and yeah. not be nervous, right? Yeah, but not you, a speaking. You've done kata one. Yeah, you you're speaking with your body. I see. It's yeah. it, you're communicating that kata. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter whether it's vocally or, or physically or a mm. combination. So yeah, yeah, true, true. But however, it's kind of different when you need to say something, like acting, doing stuff in front of people, right? Like I, so I guess uh, in as you mentioned, like in three years old, you were like or third grade, you were like 
wanted to do it yourself already. So you were, when you're on stage, I, I, I'm assuming you were not afraid, you were just enjoying it, right? Well, um, yeah, I mean, I was, but you still get stage fright, you know? Gotcha. Uh, when, I, when I was in college, I remember when I was in grade school, I don't even remember what the play was now, but um, it was some sort of a hillbilly comedy, and I actually threw up all over the place mm. before it was started. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, and then uh, in, in college, I was doing a play called The Imaginary Invalid, uh, and I played the invalid, and and the lights come on, the curtain opens, and it's me in a chair alone on the center of the stage mm. doing a monologue for three pages, and, you know, my knees were shaking so much that I felt that, you know, they were going to see them uh -huh. from the audience, but just I go through it. So how, so how do you have any tricks to deal with stage frights? Any night? Uh, deep breathing, mm -hmm. relaxation. Yeah, you know that sort of thing. Mm. Um, verbal exercises to relax the face. Okay. Uh, to articulate. Mm -hmm. Just saying little tongue twists. What are, what are the parts of the mouth that make the voice? The teeth, the tongue, the lips, the teeth, the tongue, the lips. See those uh -huh. a lot of times fast, so that you learn to enunciate clearly. Yeah. Mm. I need to learn actually. I, I I need to learn how to do that and I enunciate words clearly. That's that's one of my shortcomings, I guess, in my speech. I feel like it. Uh, okay. <laughs> anyway, that's a, that's another conversation for another day. So uh, okay. I, So I'm gonna right now. I'm gonna switch to martial arts because uh, I know there's so many questions I could ask in uh, your acting and career life. So let's switch to martial arts for a little bit like when when did martial arts come into your life because uh you you were you were you were saying that, that you you joined theater because you know you hate sweating sports and stuff but martial arts <laughs> martial arts you're sweating right a pain and stuff and how when, when did you when did it come into your life um well i you know we watched I, I watched a lot of army shows and army tv shows and things like that mm -hmm. when i was growing up and so you saw people fighting and it looked cool, kind of like, you know, the, the early, early martial arts films. Mm -hmm. um, when I was in college, uh, they offered a, just a little extracurricular activity. A guy came on campus to teach a martial art mm -hmm. named Zen, Kim, Zen Kimpo, Z-E-N-K-E-M-P-O, which uh, I'd never heard of before or since. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we got white uniforms, karate uniforms, and we got belts and, you know, you learned, uh, some stuff and you got a yellow stripe and then you got a yellow belt and, you know, then it was the end of that class year and I got involved in the theater mm -hmm. and got cast in the play. So I couldn't do the Zen Kempo anymore. So I had that for only one year. But there's still a couple of little techniques that I remember from that. There was a, a thing they called the eye flick, which was just a, a it was a, something that we practiced going from an attention stance to a natural, to a. Um, sorry to interrupt. What's the, what's the name on the technique? What's the technique? Eye flick, E-Y-E-F-L-I-C-K. Mm -hmm. Camera. Okay. So you would. It's almost like you're throwing the punch out 
and to the last minute the fingertips come up and rake the eyeballs. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so we would practice this technique uh, on a, a pad so that you could touch the pad with just the fingertips. Mm-hmm. Every, um, so that's one thing that I remember. The other was a, a defense against a joke. Mm-hmm. Ah. You know, it was basically a, a one hand was doing a, like an intermittent block. The other hand was shooting straight up. Mm-hmm. So that would break the, break the um, uh, hold on the neck. Oh, okay. Counterattack. Oh, okay. Nice. That's, those are the two things I remember. <laughs> okay, okay. I mean, those sounds pretty useful. So how yeah. to, So when did Kanu come into the picture, like Sam Min Xu? Um, well, <laughs> I remember seeing posters and stuff at Manuel's Tavern. Ah. Back um, in mid-80s and whatnot, when I was doing theater in, theater in Atlanta, mm-hmm. one of our uh, things that we always did after the rehearsals would be go to Manuel's for a drink. Just like Sam Ming Shu. Just like Sam Ming Shu. And but, so I remember, I remember seeing a, a posters at Manuel's about this Kung Nu. Yeah. Didn't, didn't think much about it. What year was this? Oh, my gosh. Uh, I would have seen those probably back in the 80s. 80s, okay. Nice. And I didn't, I didn't do anything about it except I remember seeing them. And okay. then um, when my daughter was born, Mm-hmm. And she was small for her age. Excuse me, I got the hiccups. Uh, she was born, she was small for her age and was going to public school. Mm-hmm. And we lived in Grant Park, which was uh, a very transitional neighborhood and not overly safe mm-hmm. at that time, mm-hmm. but it's what we could afford. Um, and so she was small and going to public school. And I thought, well, maybe she should get some sort of self-defense training. And I asked her, would you be interested in doing like karate or something? Yeah, yeah, that sounds like fun. So I remembered the, the posters from Manuel's and I went and found one and, and figured out where they were on uh, Elizabeth Street. Mm-hmm. We went over there and um, she got a chance to meet Mary Davis. Nice. And Mary Davis took her under her wing and, and started teaching her. And then some other teachers taught her. And I would take her on Saturday mornings when the kids' class were. and. Mm-hmm. Uh, Every Saturday morning, people would come in after the, as the kids' class was ending, mm-hmm. come in for a kata class, and they go, oh, are you here to join? No, no, I'm just waiting for my daughter to get finished. Oh, okay. <laughs> and so after about six months, um, they wore me down, and I joined. <laughs> so, yeah, planting the sea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so how was your, so once you decided, how was your, uh, how was your first day in some issue, like when you started? <laughs> for yourself how was your first day do you remember the first day um not really but i do remember one thing i did i, I found a, a piece of scratch paper mm-hmm. in the trash can at the dojo mm-hmm. and i i before i left the dojo mm-hmm. i made some notes of what we studied what mm-hmm. we've gone over so that um i would have a record of that i'm i'm a, I'm a prolific note taker Mm. and everything so um let me get a drink sorry throat's drying up you're good um and so it was like i found this piece of paper oh probably 10 years ago oh wow 
I, I, I stuck it somewhere and I don't know where I stuck it. I need to find it because I'd like to actually frame it. Mm -hmm. uh, it's kind of interesting. What's the, what's, do you know what's in the notes? Yeah, there, there were some things like attention stance, natural stance, forward stance, lunge punch, mm -hmm. maybe low block, uh -huh. and push-ups. And in parentheses, I wrote, try to do five. <laughs> push-ups? I, I could not do five push-ups. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Wow. Yeah. So how do you, was, uh, how many can you do now? Oh, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm taking a break and so I'm only doing 22 a day right now. So wow, that's, there, there a, couple, a couple, a couple of months ago I was, uh, on one of the programs and I think I got up to 60. Wow. Nice. Yeah. And that's, that's very good actually. Yeah. 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 So what, uh, I guess, uh, the mess, were you, uh, did you ever, I guess, did you ever taught by master Mary Davis? Oh yeah. <laughs> yes. How'd you like that? Uh, amazing. Amazing. Okay. Um, she was a, a phenomenal teacher, a great teacher. Um, she knew how to read each student and knew what each student needed to work on. Mm. knew how to address what each student needed to work on within a group class situation. I, that's, yeah. I, I'm, I'm still amazed at that. That's, <laughs> now, now, there were a few times, I remember one particular class of, there were about 15 of us mm -hmm. working uh, through, I don't know, Jute or one of them where you end up uh, in that block, the mountain. Mm -hmm. And she went through and made adjustments on each student while we were in this wide rectangular stance with both arms up in a, like a, a double rising block. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, mm -hmm. and after about holding that position for about three, four, five minutes, yeah. it gets tough. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow, okay. Nice. Another, another if, I, if I made one more uh, yeah. Mary story. Um, in my earliest days, I, I had a little bit of the but what if situation mm -hmm. when an instructor is teaching, but what if such and such, but what if? What, what do you mean by what if situation? Well, if the instructor says, this is how you do it, they're mm -hmm. saying, yes, okay, yes, and say, I'll do that that way. The student then says, but what if? Mm -hmm. They do something else, but yeah. what if? Yeah. So, and I mean, she and I think we're working on like uh, thumb escape or something like that. And, yeah. And her gash and I said, "But what if?" And she said, "Well, here, just grab my hand." And so <laughs> I grabbed. I was on the floor <laughs> in tears. <laughs> I had no idea what had just happened. <laughs> Wow, wow. What did she do? She did, did she do a coat of gash or something like that? Yeah, she did a coat of gash on me. And it was a, such a perfect one. It was like amazing. So. Wow, wow. Cool, cool. I mean, I always love to hear any uh, Master Mary Davis story because I, I never I, I, I never met her before. So, yeah, cool. Um, so, what, so what keep you 
GPU and Kanu, nice. Did you, did you ever, did you train any other styles, try to explore different other styles and then? No, uh, once I started Kung Nu, I stayed in Kung Nu. However, um, when I started Kung Nu, I was running a small theater company. Mm. I was, I was, I moved past the acting portion. I was still acting, you know, sometimes, but primarily I was the executive artistic director of a small theater company, which meant I was suggesting all the plays, picking the plays for mm -hmm. board approval, um, directing two, one or two shows every year, mm -hmm. plus hiring the other directors to direct shows, observing the other directors, making sure the show was in good shape, mm -hmm. uh, and, and following up on all the publicity and season tickets and all of that sort of stuff. So it was, it was very busy. And if, when I was directing a show, that meant I was at the theater, you know, six nights a week yeah uh directing the play and then once the play opened uh i was at the theater four nights a week oh wow uh, thursday friday saturday and sunday so whenever i was directing a play it took me out of the dojo for basically two months two and a half months mm -hmm. and um so my early career in kung nu was very slow mm -hmm. as far as making advancements and stuff i think i got my my first well Somewhere. Have uh, you ever seen one of these? No. <laughs> a passport. That's my passport. Kung Nu passport. It was um, a great thing that we had that we could... Track your progress? Yeah. And so my first screen, I started in January of 1994. Mm-hmm. Um, I got my first green stripe in July of 94. Second green stripe took another year to July of 95. My green belt was in February of 96, and I didn't pass the test. I, I probated. <laughs> wow. So, so that's uh, back in those days. Then after about that time, I realized, well, I'm in charge of this theater. Mm -hmm. I'm in charge of the I don't always have to direct the play on those nights. Yeah. So you, I charge directing skit, and you know I, I could go to my karate classes and not do the directing that nights. So mm -hmm. I see. Nice. Were you were you stressed out during that? Because you were you were what you was mentioning. You were working so much. Were you stressed out and all around during oh. that? Oh, well, not not at the beginning of that. No, not so much. It was so fun. Toward the, toward the end of my career uh, running the theater company mm. uh, was when it got much more stressful. Um, the building that we were in, uh, the landlord wanted the building back. We mm -hmm. were looking for another building. Uh, we, we thought we had found a perfect space. The, the owner was just a delightful guy that was going to let us come in and do a, a pay rent, and then the rent would apply to the mortgage and eventually we would do a rent to own situation hmm. um, and we wrote the contract had everything ready with the lawyers and I called them up to, to say we've got the contract ready and his hmm. wife told me he died two days before oh man wow. and so I said oh I'm so sorry oh my god I did not know and she said it's understandable just 
give it a week or so, and then we can talk to the lawyers. I said, okay, fine. Mm -hmm. So I, I gave it, you know, 10 days, you know, almost two weeks, called back and got the lawyer's names, talked to the lawyer, and the lawyer said, yes, but we're not interested. Thank you very much. Oh, wow. So that totally down the drain. Um, and that just, uh, it was like, okay, we rented some other theater space for a while, but my, my energy had been drained at that point and I just didn't want to continue on with it. Okay. So. okay. Wow. Okay. So, nice. so I was, luckily I, I, I took a year and a half off from theater acting, all that sort of stuff and sold eyeglasses. Hmm. Ta-da. And um, then got uh, uh, an opportunity to go to work for the Atlantic Coalition of Performing Arts, mm -hmm. running their discounted ticket booth, and, and did that for 15 years until I retired. So, so you're retired now? <laughs> retired from that, yes, yes. I I'm, I'm, don't have a day job of any kind. Mm -hmm. um, still do the, the acting. I just had some auditions for some. Hallmark Hall of Fame films. I did those yesterday. So, oh wow, nice, nice. Yeah, on Wednesday, Wednesdays when I did those. Nice, cool, cool. So uh, during that stressful times, do you have any? Do you do anything like to distress? Like, yeah, what do you do when you stress out? I guess. Hot baths, Epsom salts. I like those. Okay. Uh, Whirlpool. Mm -hmm. Whirlpool bathtub and Epsom salts. Um, a good workout is a great stress reliever. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it, it's hard to find a good workout when you don't have somebody to answer to or to teach or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so my but, wife and I walks, but that's, it's an, it, that's more of a relaxing kind of thing. It's not so much de-stress. Yeah. It's just relax. Yeah. You don't sweat as much right now. Yeah. Well, I still, I still sweat no matter what. Okay. 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 So, so yeah, actually, that's that's good segue into training. Now, what do you, how's your training? Now, what do you do to train right now? Um, right now with the pandemic, it sucks. Yeah. So, um, as far as kung nu training, I, I'm doing some push-ups and some squats on a daily basis right now. Today, this okay. month, a um, couple of months ago, I was doing those 30-day challenges picking one every month and doing it and, and trying to get some other people involved and doing it with me. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not currently teaching any classes. Mm -hmm. uh, when, when you teach, I like to be the kind that is involved and does the exercises with the students. Mm -hmm. uh, some, some teachers, you know, stand aside and, and direct and talk and, and demonstrate and then watch. Um, I like to do it with them as much as possible within reason. Uh, you do have to not do everything because you have to watch the student yeah. and how they're doing. So now before, before the pandemic hit, yeah. um, you know, I was at the dojo um, on Monday nights uh, doing, you know, teaching or if I wasn't teaching a class, I would still come in and do the warm up and then, help somebody else teach their class or go off on the side and do stuff on my own. Um, Tuesday was advanced drinks. So I'd be there for that. 
Um, I usually did not go in on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Thursday, Thursday nights uh, would be adult class. I'd go in for class and teach, or if I'm not teaching, I'd just help somebody else teach. Yeah. Saturday morning, I teach kids class from 10 to 11. Mm-hmm. Akata class from 11.30 to 12.30. And yoga was on Sunday morning, so. So how is your own own training? Do you do you train like how's your own training look tonight? Do you have any kind of routine you go through every day? Uh, right now, other than the push-ups and the squats, no. Yeah, I mean uh, before the pandemic. Do you oh, have- before the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, um, I would I would when I would go in and on my own work on advanced katas. Mm-hmm. Or if I'm in, in a kata class, I would that, kata class is a great class because. You get to work on all the katas. Yeah. And then on the days that you were working on advanced katas that you're learning for yourself mm-hmm. for your next rank, that's, that's, that was a hard thing to do. And, and especially when you're learning it through videos, mm-hmm. the, the last one I, I worked on centerline um, and worked on it with the first video that master Elizabeth did. Mm-hmm. And I I couldn't tell you how many times I watched that, watched it, worked on I mean minutia, minutia. You know, you're you're looking at the millisecond. Wow. Where where is the body position? One tenth second later, it's here. Mm-hmm. Is the elbow down or up? You know. Yeah. Uh, and and try and mimic that as close as possible. Um, and and being able to watch those videos. I think they're a great resource, especially when you have multiple angles watching it. Yeah. So that that was what I did then. So how do you? What's your process of learning a new kata? Like, do you watch a video a few times and then go through it and then break it down? Uh, what's your process of learning a new kata? Um, watch the video or learn from somebody live. Learning from somebody live is the best way, depending okay. on the teacher. Hopefully, they're. A good teacher. I, I hate for a teacher to go, okay, this is what you do. And they demonstrate six moves. Okay, uh-huh. do it. It's like, <laughs> what the hell was that? Yeah. You know, the nice thing about being able to, with uh, an instructor that says, okay, you're going to load like this, mm-hmm. and then you're going to slow, and they slow it down to like one tenth the speed so you can follow the body and see everything that happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can do that with video too. You can slow the speed down mm-hmm. and watch what's happening. Um, and that I, I, that's how I like to learn is to, I like to learn it distinctly. Gotcha. Okay. That makes sense. So exactly where every part of every body of my body is at a given time where it's supposed to be. Okay. That makes sense. So, and then, and then slowly. Yeah. At <laughs> speed. Because if you try and go fast first, you'll you'll it'll be sloppy. Yeah. And your body has a, a memory, sense of memory in it yeah. that if you learn it sloppy, it's almost impossible to relearn it yeah. a different way. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, some I like to tell people that actually it's, the slower you go, it's harder actually for you to to do it. <laughs> well, it's it's hard, but that's the way you oops, hang on. Okay. Um, when you go slow, it's hard, but it's also the best way to do it, in my opinion. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Just, I guess uh, my point is that the slower you go, a lot of people think going slow is easy, but going slow actually is harder, right? Because you cannot cover up your mistakes by going fast, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so regarding teaching, so how would you uh, teach a brand new white belt class? What would you do during the first day? Like, what would you focus on? How would you um, first, I, 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 you alerted me that, and I was thinking about that, and um, you know, I, I love teaching that kind of a class. Mm-hmm. The first, the first day is I like to get with them before bow in, mm-hmm. and I teach them how to do a bow. Ah. I explain to them what's going to happen. We're going to line up. You're going to be over here. We're going to do the attention stance, hands up, bow, meditate, eyes closed, down, and the word gong. You know. Brand new beginner doesn't know that. And all of a sudden, what's everybody doing? I don't know. Um, and then after they've been bowed in, before the warm-up starts, take them off to the side mm-hmm. before you start the warm-up. Now, some of the warm-up, they would understand. They would know running in place. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, anytime you say, okay, um, you know, they would know, they would know calisthenics, jumping jacks, and things like that. Yeah, but they wouldn't know uh, kata one. You know, they wouldn't know how to move forward with stuff. So once you get them bowed in, take them off to the side. Mm-hmm. It's their first class. They don't need the whole calisthenics. Yeah, you, know, you can take. What I like to do is take them off to the side and sit down. Mm-hmm. Do an introduction. I. My name is Mark Gowan. You can call me Sensei Mark when we're in the dojo. When we're outside the dojo, I'm just Mark. Uh, Anytime you see a black belt in the dojo, they are Sensei. Anytime you see a brown belt, they are Senpai. Mm -hmm. And practice that. Everybody say Sensei, Sensei. Everybody say Senpai, Senpai. These are words people, some people have never, ever heard Mm -hmm. or spoken. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so then go around the circle and introduce yourself. Uh, Who are you? and one very quick thing about yourself, less than 10 words. Mm. And so that, oh, okay. So <laughs> it, it, you know. Break um, on. Yeah. Pardon me? Oh, break the ice a little bit. Yes, 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 yes. And so I said, okay, so, uh, and then, then we're, we've gone around the floor. I said, okay, well, what we're going to do in the next four to six months, we're going to try and get you ready to test for your first karate test. It'll be for one green stripe. And I'll say, uh, here we go. We have a list of everything that's gonna be on your test. Mm-hmm. You can go to manual.kungnu.com and you can find this list. You can print it off. And we're gonna be going over this every class. We're gonna to be touching on different parts of this. Mm-hmm. and. You know, there are a number of different things involved in the test. Uh, there are techniques, mm-hmm. defense, there's uh, uh, stamina, mm-hmm. philosophy, philosophy. Yeah. We're talking about that. And so I say, for example, the 3 O principle. Yeah. And I'll talk about the 3 O principle and, and get them to repeat it. Mm-hmm. And, and then go around and... Um, Say, see, that's going to be on your test. And you all already know open mind, open heart, open heart. Yeah. And so, wow, they think, yeah, cool. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and then uh, say, okay, since we're on the floor sitting down talking, everybody get into a push-up position. <laughs> so we got to do some push-ups. We're always doing push-ups. And, uh, you know, if, if, if there's some students that you know are not going to be able to do a regular push-up, you can do them from your knees. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you know, regular push-up, uh, depending on each student. And go in a circle, all the way facing in, do five or ten, eight push-ups, keeping an eye on the students, making sure that no one is being stressed out. Mm-hmm. You're not overwhelming them with, all right, let's do 20 push-ups, wow. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then stand up. And then from then, move into some basic techniques, stances. Okay. Got to know the tension stance, natural stance, uh, rectangular stance, uh, and relax. Repeat them, repeat them, repeat them, mm-hmm. and relax. Then we're going to work on some uh, punches, just a regular punch, mm-hmm. loading for a regular punch, yeah. one punch. And again, I like to do the slow motion. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, three, four, five, turns over at the very last second. Mm-hmm. One, two, three, four, five, turns over at the last second. Mm-hmm. Uh, and each, those two knuckles are hitting the same point. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then, you know, hey, they've learned how to do a punch. Yeah. They know how to do rectangular stance. They know how to bow. They know the 3-0 principle. Mm-hmm. So maybe we work on um, one of the uh, uh, self-defenses, mm-hmm. you know, just uh, thumb escape, just, you know. Yeah. And that leads right into how you load for a low block. Mm-hmm. Low block is it? So it's just putting those all together and then remembering what you covered mm-hmm. so that when you come back the next week, you build on that. Mm-hmm. And try and keep it rotating, keep it mowing. Um, you can do stuff and come back to it, do stuff and come back to it. Mm-hmm. At the end of class, you know, pick one student that you think is pretty smart and say, what was the first of the three O principle? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, it was open mind, I remember. <laughs> another student to do open heart and you, open arms, yeah. So they feel like they've accomplished some stuff and want to come back the next time. Mm-hmm. That's, that's how I teach the, the beginners. Wow, wow, wow. So, okay, that's, that's very useful to me, especially in the future if I, you know, might be able to teach a beginner class. I, I would never thought that I, I need to start with like the simple thing, like bow or get together in the beginning, grab man, and then do like getting, talk to them a little bit before we actually starting working out together, right? Yeah, yeah, you gotta, you gotta make friends with them. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, they're, they're scared already. My God, he's got a black belt in karate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you are usually the first person that people that come in to the dojo. You are usually the first person I talk to them, say, hey, because uh, the people they interested that may they may not still deciding whether they want to stay and join the uh, dojo, right, to practice with us. And usually you are the, you are the person we talk to us, hey, talk to uh, Sensei Mark, and then he's going to explain everything to you. Like, so what do you, in that situation, what do you do to lure them to stay? Instead of, <laughs> how do you? I'm, I'm not the only one. I mean, there, there are a number of different black belts and brown belts that, you know, yeah. enjoy being that first person to, to greet somebody yeah. and talk to them. Um, uh, Sensei Ben McGimsey is a great one to do that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, 
and you know, some people are, Sensei Rachel is great. Mm -hmm. uh, Senpai Grant is very good at that. Yep. Um, so and then others, other students that, you know, they're, they're a little more intimidated. They're, they may be a little shyer. Mm -hmm. and that's fine. It's, everybody's different. Um, but I just enjoy meeting people. So it's kind of go over, introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Mark Cowan. Welcome to the dojo. This is Sun Ming Shi Dojo. Mm -hmm. um, have you been here before? That's a good question to ask. Yeah. Uh, because if they have, then you don't want to duplicate a whole lot of stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, what are you looking for? Um, have you done martial arts in the past? Mm -hmm. uh, let me show you around. That's a good thing to say. Give them a, a brief tour. Mm -hmm. This is this is the lobby area. Mm -hmm. This is our, our little reception area with the uh, the bar and the refrigerator and the sink back there. Mm -hmm. the ladies' dressing room is on that side. Uh, men's dressing room is over here. Public restroom is over here. Mm -hmm. uh, the training floor is out there. Obviously, they can see that. Mm -hmm. uh, and say, you know, you're welcome to stick around and watch. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, um, tell them something about the style. Mm -hmm. uh, Know the, where it came from. It's a blended style of uh, a lot of different martial arts, hard style techniques, soft style techniques. Um, so we've got kicking and punching and throwing and yeah. well, weapons work. Mm -hmm. um, and then if they're still interested and want to stick around for a class or if, if they've got specific questions, you know, how much does it cost? That's always an important question. And we've got those. Uh, sheets with the dues fees mm -hmm. uh, out and laminated so it's easy to keep track of um, how long you know how long does it take to get a black belt that's always a <laughs> some of them ask oh, really? and if, if, there, if that that's a question that's a little bit of a it, it can be in my opinion mm -hmm. um, an indicator of what their interest is yeah. Are they learning something useful for life mm-hmm or do they just want to get a black belt in karate? Yeah, yeah. So if you just didn't want a black belt in karate, I can give you a catalog number, you can order one. Yeah, yeah. Have it in two weeks, it'll only cost you $10. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. But uh, if you want to learn something, then plan on investing your time, mm -hmm. you know, uh, probably four or five years of minimum if you're young and, and fit and can come all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're uh, older and doing lots of other stuff, it may take you 10 or 11, 12 years to get a black belt. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 that makes sense. Nice. So what's your, um, what's your uh, favorite philosophy of Kanye? Of course, the three O principles, the great one just to start with. Mm -hmm. uh, five P's and an achiever is great. Um, uh, the uh, five double troubles to avoid is a great one. Mm -hmm. What else? Uh, so there's, there's, there's so many of them that, you know, and it depends on what level of class I'm teaching, you know, mm -hmm. that we are going over the philosophy for that particular rank, then I get new ones every time I'm teaching a different level of class. I see, I see. So what does, so as you mentioned, a 3.0 usually is the, the, the most, uh, the first one that we teach, uh, right students right so what's the i guess what does no three o's mean to you oh well, I, you got a half an hour or so the 
as long staying, as staying open for new ideas that's the open mind mm -hmm. open heart being able to be emphatic or not uh, empathetic empathetic and giving and loving and open for that mm -hmm. and open arms which embraces all of the above so mm -hmm. it then becomes a well-rounded circle in my opinion so okay yeah, and then that makes sense. Yeah. Well, yeah. your beginning class, you seem to be, I have a very good structure. Now, do you have structure for every single class you teach? Now, do you plan it out beforehand? I do. Yes. Yes, I try to. There, there are times when something gets in the way and I don't have notes and then I have to wing it. But I still try and go through a similar pattern mm -hmm. of breaking it down. So I, I take the, roughly we have one hour of teaching. Okay. Uh, so I do it like a 20 minute section, 20 minute section, 20 minute section, three mm -hmm. sections. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it may be um, 20 minutes, 15 minutes, uh, or 20 minutes, 20 minutes, and, and 10 minutes, mm -hmm. or 20, 15, and 15, so that you've got a long section to introduce new material. Mm -hmm. Start that fresh, the brain is fresh, um, so you take the, the largest chunk of time mm -hmm. and introduce new material. Then take a break and you come back and you revisit something that you did the previous class uh -huh. and, and follow up and clean it up and fine tune it. Then after that, the last section, you can go back two classes mm -hmm. and and revisit something from two classes ago. So that, again, it's more refining without uh, uh, spending a whole lot of time on it because mm -hmm. you're not teaching it new. It's been taught, it's been practiced. Now it's the time to look at it and give a few notes and then move on. Okay. okay. I think it's also always good to, to try and, if you can, plan your class to, to be finished physically. Mm -hmm. Uh, several minutes before bow out mm -hmm. so that you relax and breathe, do a little philosophy, do a little talk, and, and, and get people to relax again. Uh, get the heart rate back down before we have to leave. Mm -hmm. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, that's good. Um, one thing about training is that you mentioned squatting. You do a lot of things now. You're doing a lot of squat. Like, why squat? <laughs> it's easy. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, what else uh, you know, how, do you, how do you do your squat like, do you go all the way down parallel, like past parallel or do you stop in a parallel usually more parallel I'm a little bit too old to go past parallel okay. get down but getting back up from down very very low is tough how many do you do oh I'm just doing 22 right now okay Nice. Just one set, 22 to squats, done. Okay. You know, next month, I'll probably add something else in there. Okay. Uh, you know, I'm not sure what. Oh, I know. I, I need to do some ab work. Uh, I haven't, haven't done anything ab-wise in forever. Yeah. Do, you, do you run a lot before, like before pandemic? Do you, do you run a lot? Because I think every year you do a, uh, you do a summer shade or is it in a Grand Park five-mile run? I think you participate every year. Um, I don't really run anymore. I, the, I, I'll run the last 100 yards maybe just mm -hmm. to cross the finish line running. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I used to run a lot. I mean, I used to, I used to do 5Ks, 10Ks at a run. Mm-hmm. Uh, I used to have some, some really good times. I used to do a seven-minute mile. Wow. No, no way can I do that anymore. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, knees, back, hips, everything's starting to lose ground. I see, I see. So how, that remind me actually of, I mean, old sensei used to do a lot of uh, running too. Now he was doing an ultra marathon or something. Have yeah. you ever, did you ever meet like old sensei? I met him several times, yeah. Um, uh, he would come to the dojo and, and teach. But, uh, you know, it was, it was usually in a, a situation and um, my my strongest memories are of the most most recent time the the last times he was visiting mm-hmm. the thing that struck me was he was trying to impart you know his wisdom yeah alan haas master alan was walking around with a notepad transcribing every word he said mm. just keeping notes keeping notes keeping notes right. um and some other students were, were always near him with a chair so they could give him a chair so he could sit down to rel- to rest. Yeah. Um, and uh, so that was why, what I remember. Yeah. Why, why does he need to use, use night? Was, was he health already? Like, uh, cause you mentioned that he need to rest constant, uh, like often. Is that, it was part of, part of his decline. Gotcha. Um, Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was he was already declining. So okay, okay. How old was he? Was he man? Oh, I don't remember how old he was. I mean, he didn't look older than thirty. You know. I see. Um, yeah. But uh, with the, the Alzheimer's, it was. Uh, uh, oh, okay, okay, okay. I was I I didn't know that he had yeah Alzheimer's. So yeah, okay, cool. So that's why we need to you know that's why uh, Master Adam was taking on a nose right try to get everything down on record. A few more questions. Uh, like, do you have any, like, who's the most influential person in your life? Ooh. Uh, currently, um, from the past? From the past, currently. Hmm. Most influential person. I, I would have to say, I guess, my, my mother and father were hmm. most influential, uh, you know. One's brought me up, mm-hmm. uh, so. So it sounds like they were very encouraging for you to do acting because uh, I mean you were doing anything and they say, oh yeah, go ahead, right? Was it, yeah, yeah. They were very okay. Yeah, oh, they they came and saw all the plays and stuff like that. So, oh, what's uh, the what's the most memorable place for you when you were like you you travel along with your parents when you were a kid, right? And so what's the do you have a most enjoyable place that you stay? Um, probably Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, can, um, I can see that. <laughs> sure. Um, you know, and it, it's probably the pictures that I've seen that there, we do have a photograph mm-hmm. somewhere of the album of me and my mom getting off the plane. My father probably got off first and took the picture, mm-hmm. but it the old, I mean, you know, they would roll the gangplank the stairs up to the side of the plane mm-hmm. and you would get off and come down the stairs and walk across the tarmac to get to the uh, airport. Yeah. Um, and the, the stories I tell of, they opened the, the door 
of the airplane to start out and we start walking out and I turn to my mother and say, mommy, it smells good here. <laughs> because we've been, it smells good because of all the flowers mm, ah. in, in Hawaii and in, in the ocean breezes. Um, we'd been living in for two years in Japan mm. uh, where the, the sanitation very crowded. Yeah. Well, I mean, even with the rice paddies and everything was, you know, a lot of um, fertilizer was used. Smelled uh, bad all the time. So the yeah, yeah, yeah. sanitation was not good. Open sewers and that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I see. So there's a big contrast from, contrast from Japan to, okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're talking in the early 1950s. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Did you, so... So that's around World War Two, right? So were you fighting in World War Two? No, uh, um, I think my dad joined the Air Force shortly after World War Two was over. That World War Two would have been over forty-eight. Gotcha. Um, so. Okay. And I was born. I was born in fifty-three. So. <laughs> okay. All right. Cool. Texas, right? Texas. Yes. Yes. So, what would you call your hometown? Like, would you be Memphis? I would call hometown Memphis. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, what actually one one thing is that what keep you in Atlanta? Like, what brought you to Atlanta? <laughs> the um, well, when I finished my degree in my Master of Fine Arts degree at University of Georgia. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, well, I'm, where am I going to go to be an actor? Mm-hmm. I can go to New York City, yeah. go to Los Angeles, mm-hmm. I can go to Chicago, mm-hmm. I can go to Minneapolis, which was a, a large theater area. Mm-hmm. And a distant fifth choice was Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had some theaters in Atlanta, they had a little tiny bit of film work some commercial work, not that much. Mm-hmm. And I looked at New York City, and I know what the, the, the cost of living was, huge. Um, I looked at, and, and the weather in New York City would not have been great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I looked at Los Angeles, great weather. Yeah. Even a higher cost of living. Mm. So, uh, you know, and you gotta drive everywhere. Yeah. I looked at Chicago, bad weather, mm-hmm. um, but that would be an option. And Minneapolis, not great weather. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't sure about the cost of living. Yeah. Look, I'm already close yeah. to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Cost of living is really good. Mm-hmm. Weather is not bad. Yeah. I chose Atlanta. Oh, nice. Very precise picking and choosing. Mm, nice. Well, I mean, um, so another question, that do you have any a past failure or failures that you have learned a lot of from? I'm sorry? Do I have any? Do you have a past failure or failures that you have learned a lot from? Oh, oh, oh. Past failures I've learned a lot from. Maybe you never fail, so, so <laughs> you can skip that one. <laughs> well, I, I mean, every, everything can, you can learn from every experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you don't necessarily have to say it was a failure. Mm. 
say it was an experience mm-hmm. that didn't necessarily go as I planned. Mm. You know, um, but I don't. I don't know that I would say that I've got anything that. No. Yeah. How how do you how would you define failure? And how would you define success and failure? Right. Wow. I. I don't know. That's <laughs> good question. Um, uh, you know, if if uh, if you were rejected by people, mm-hmm. you know, I suppose if uh, you know you you were uh, banned from the dojo forever, mm-hmm. um, uh, I don't know. Yeah, one. I think one thing, one quote I heard about success is like, any day above ground is success. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I kind of like that one. <laughs> I, I should have some quotes, daily quotes about success and failure. I'm trying to see if they're up here on my board or not. Um, our greatest weakness lies in giving up. Mm. The most certain way to succeed is always to try one more time. Mm. So that that's a nice one. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, so success is keep trying. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Who's who's that from? Who's that from? Do you know? Uh, Thomas Edison. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and that kind of remind me of a Churchill quote about success is like jump going from failure to failure without losing enthusiasm. That's mm-hmm. very similar. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, just don't give up. That's a good one. I'm glad you. I'm glad I remembered that was up there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nice. Do you read a lot? Uh, I, I don't have as much time to read as I, I would like. Uh, I used yeah. to. I used to read a lot of science fiction, um, yeah. and now just trying to keep track of the daily news is enough. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Do you have a book that you give people the most? Um. You know, you asked that question. I, I haven't gifted that many books, mm. um, but I have been gifted books by oh. other people, specifically mm. by students. Mm. Um, and one of them is Zen in the Martial Arts. Mm-hmm. A great book. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's slim. It's easy to read mm-hmm. um, and has lots of great little stuff in it. So that's, that's one that I would recommend. Um, to people. people. Okay, yeah. I see. Nice. What kind of science fiction do you read? Do you? Oh, everything from um, Hobbits and and you know, Lord of the Rings and all those kinds of uh, different things to, to okay. space fiction. So do you write? A number of years. Yeah, I see. Do you do you write? Do you do any writing or journaling stuff like that? Um, not really, other than just my daily "What am I going to do today?" list. Yeah. I try and do on a basis, just so I I can remember something that I did, and I can mark it off when I've done it. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've completed something, which is makes you feel good. I see. I see. Uh, I guess in theory, do you read a lot of? Did you read a lot of Shakespeare and stuff? Well, I, I read all of it. Um, yeah, back back in those days, and of course. Uh, when we downsized and, and moved from the big house to the little house, I, I got, I gave away 
hundreds of theater scripts. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't need them anymore. Mm -hmm. And I just gifted them to a theater company so that they could use them or give them away. So, I see, I see. But I mean, for, for someone like me, you know, it's really hard for me to understand Shakespeare. Like, when right. you, did, you, did you understand everything? Like, do you understand it when you first read it? Of course not. Of course, no, no. You, you have, I mean, the best way to start appreciating Shakespeare, I feel, is to go and watch productions. Mm. Okay. Uh, and, and just realize, you know, the first 10, 15, 20 minutes, it takes your ear time to adjust to the language because it sounds different. Mm. A good quality production they they use everything else to help get the point across not just the words but also the physical action and stuff like that so mm -hmm. that's the best way to do it so go to the so go to see a actual play like performance yeah. Shakespeare okay to get a story in there and then okay yeah. now you can understand okay all right cool I might try that later when I try to get back into Shakespeare <laughs> well, when the theaters open back up Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So how's your, I guess, uh, how's is your, are you, you, are you doing any theater right now? Like before, of course, before pandemic, were you in the, like doing something with the theater? Um, no, I, I had auditioned for a couple of things, but I hadn't. Uh, oh, I think, I think I remember you were telling me that you were helping your friend, like directing a play or something like that. Right before we were, we were like, right oh, before. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That was, uh, 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 friend Jason mm -hmm. that, uh, started for, I mean, he was for a couple of years, he was on the walking dead. Mm -hmm. and I knew him from, as an actor, I directed him 30 years ago on a play called Equus. Mm -hmm. And, uh, he just had a small part in Equus, but we stayed friends throughout the years. Mm. And he asked me to direct this play that he had chosen. And uh, I read it and the subject matter was very controversial. Mm. And I had to read it three or four more times to, to decide, do I want to direct this play or not? Because it was so controversial. Um, it was about a, a man that, is confronted at work by a young woman who 15 years previously mm -hmm. he was 11 years old mm -hmm. molested mm -hmm. so Final was, yeah. it was a tough tough show mm -hmm. uh, lots of important and hard questions mm -hmm. get asked yeah what's one uh one of hard questions um, why is he still allowed to exist mm. free? Why is he not? Mm -hmm. I see. I see. So did you, did you decide to do it? Yeah. Yeah. I directed it. Yes. Hmm. So, um, I, yeah, I can see that being a very controversial. Why, why, what's no, why did he want to write that, do, write that story? Like do that. I, I'm not sure why the, the writer, Jason didn't write it. Oh, okay. He just found the script. Um, and 
Jason's the type of actor that enjoys a challenge. Mm -hmm. so that so was the challenge. How, how do I portray this this person who did this horrible thing? Yeah. But in his mind, the character's mind at the time, it was the appropriate, it was the right thing to do. I see. I see. Yeah. So why, why did you decide to do it? Um, eventually, I, I felt that it was an important story mm -hmm. to be told mm -hmm. so that it engender uh, discussion, mm -hmm. audience point, mm -hmm. on, you know, how do you move forward? Yeah. How does a woman move forward from that? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and, and how does society move forward? Yeah. Yeah. Did, have you have you done anything as controversial topic previously or no? Um, well, probably not. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, the the play I mentioned, Equus, yeah. which Jason also starred in, mm. or not starred, he, he had a minor part. But Equus is a play about a young boy that blinds six horses mm. with a metal spike, stabbing yeah. in the eye with a metal spike, and well. is sent to a psychologist. Mm -hmm try and see what's wrong with the kid. Mm -hmm. So that, you know, I mean, you talk about animal abuse, that's mm -hmm. yeah. pretty horrific. Well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, in my personal opinion, I, I arts is a kind of a, a nice vehicle to tell stories also at the same time, maybe uh, make people think, ask questions, and maybe, you know, think differently maybe sometimes, right? To ask these <laughs> questions, yeah, okay, yeah. Um, talking about storytelling, I mean, you are very good at telling stories and how, uh, I guess, it, does that come from, I guess that come from acting, but do you have a specific element of like structure to your storytelling? Do you have a technique to whenever you tell people a story, do you, does it, again, just come, uh, come naturally to you, I guess? I, yeah, I guess. Um, I mean, I've had classes and been taught, you know, oral interpretation, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, poetry reading, yeah. uh, things like that. Um, but I mean, everybody likes to sit around the table and tell a joke, tell a story. Yeah, yeah. But the reason I'm asking is kind of for selfish reasons, because uh, personally, me, um, when I tell a story, I feel like I tend to jump around. I, I don't really know how to tell a good story. I have, I kind of have an outline, general outline of what I want to say, but somehow I kind of jumping around, as you can tell from this interview already. But yeah, so, <laughs> so, so, so that's why I, I'm curious now, how do you, someone like you, how do you do it? And I, you know, yeah. I, you know, a number of different ways, chronologically mm -hmm. is one way to do it. Yeah. So the beginning, then the middle, then the end. Mm -hmm. I see. Um, Okay, maybe I... Telling jokes is a good practice. All right, all right. Hey, maybe I should go take some acting class. Do you do any stand-up comedy since you're telling jokes? No? Nope, nope. Okay. never have. I see. Are you interested or you just don't, you think that's... No, I, I'm not interested in that. Um, I mean, you are a very funny person, right? So, I mean... Um, no, I, I, I've, I've never been... I enjoy watching comics, yeah. going to comedy shows, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, no, I've never wanted to be a stand-up comic. Hmm. 
That's true. <laughs> okay, maybe plant is planting a sea right now. <laughs> uh oh, uh oh. Yeah. So um, a few more questions. Uh, what's your greatest struggle right now? If it has any. Uh, pandemic. Mm-hmm. In the house, um, not not being able to get out and, and go as much as I would like to get out and go. Mm-hmm. We, um, my wife and I, like I said, we walk. We take walks. Um, I do grocery shopping once a week or so. I, I'll mask up and hand sanitizer and do all that sort of stuff to go shopping. Yeah. Uh, we did go out last night for the first time and have dinner outside at a, a restaurant with a couple of friends mm-hmm. staying away from everybody else. Yeah. Uh, but I miss, you know, being among people, you know, mm-hmm. that's the biggest thing, right? biggest challenge right now. Mm. So it looks like you like people. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you can miss interaction with friends and on the other the community in general. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, so I want to talk about Caroline a little bit, your granddaughter, right? So how, how'd you like being a grandpa? It's pretty awesome. How was it? How would you like seeing like Caroline the first time? Oh, well, I mean, we were, we were in the hospital when she was born. So you know, she was just hours old when we saw her for the first time. Gotcha. And you know, just a little, little tiny baby. So. Yeah. Was it? Does, was it a feel, feeling different when you when you see like, your daughter Rachel for the first time? Is that different between uh, like being a first time father and first time grandfather? Oh, is that like? Uh, you know, it's it's probably a little different because mm. you've gone through it at least once with the, with the uh, mm-hmm. the daughter, yeah. so it's not quite as brand new as mm. is with the the first time. So yeah, yeah, it's not yeah. And yeah. The, the best thing is you know. Good. I got to hold her. It's wonderful. Okay, you can have her back now. Yeah, that's right. You don't need, you don't need to do all the hard work anymore. Exactly. Yeah. You yeah. can go. You have a, a good night's sleep. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So talking. Uh, so uh, reminding me of the. Uh, so when you were in college, you didn't know what you want to do, right? So you were still finding your way, kind of thing. When you when you after you graduate high school, I mean, sorry, graduate college. So imagine that Caroline is like graduating, graduating college. Like what, what advice would you give her that I guess you wish that you, someone had told you when you were graduating college? Oh, um, i trying to remember. There's a quote. It's like, follow your heart. Mm. You know, don't, don't be persuaded by what everybody else is saying. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, uh, was it Thoreau that said, to your own self be true? Mm. Um, that's, that's an important thing. Can you repeat that quote? To your own self be true. To your own self be true. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so how, how do you, this is, how do you find the true though? The true self? What, what is it that makes you happy? What makes you feel complete? What, mm. what is it that you want to do? Mm. That you have to do, not that someone says you should do, mm-hmm. you want to do. Okay. But what if, 
I don't know. Nice. <laughs> and explore. Mm, okay. Okay. That's good. Yeah. Okay. All right. Try different things. Go here. Go there. All right. Okay. All right. So um, let's see. Last three questions. The first one is the, how would you like to be remembered? Fondly. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. The laughter, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 Just, uh, you know, it's, um, you know, in, in the great realm of things, mm. you know, a hundred years from now, no one's going to remember who I was. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. Um, so just is, is I don't know when I'm when I'm gone, mm -hmm. you know, I'll be remembered for a little while by some folks, but then eventually the world moves on. True. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. So um, if you can put a word, word or message outside a dojo window for like people driving by, like what what would it be? I've been thinking about this a lot, and it's kind of like um, if there's a single word in the dojo window mm -hmm. that's capture people's attention, mm -hmm. make them go, hmm, I wonder what that's about, hmm, I wish I knew more, then mm -hmm. that's the kind of word you're looking for. And it's like asparagus. Asparagus. Joke, I'm joking. <laughs> um, I'm thinking about growth. Mm or grow, mm -hmm. uh, learn, mm -hmm. um, uh, you don't want to get too long of experience. Mm -hmm. Got you. Persimmon. A what? What's that? Persimmon. What was that? It's a fruit. Never mind. Oh, yeah, I, I, I never had it. Is it good? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. Cool. Cool. Uh, last question. Persimmon opossum. Opossum. Okay. I, I need to try both then. <laughs> yeah. Is there anything you want to share or talk about that we did not cover? Um, no. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And that's good. Yeah. Thank you. Sensei Mark. Are you, are you familiar with IMDB? dot com yes yep so be sure and, and look up um uh, uh uh george c scott okay because that's the you need to know who george c scott is <laughs> okay all right cool thank you Sensei mark thank you for your time well, thank you for an, an enjoyable afternoon yeah thank you for sharing all your uh knowledge and wisdom with uh with everybody else i'm glad to do it yeah Cool. All right. Well, I'll see you back in the dojo. All right. Take care. Yeah. Thanks. And cut scene.